So we had our customary annual bookshelf holiday party. Yes. And it was a delight. Thank you for having us. Oh, you're welcome. Um, but we had some very interesting conversation around the dinner table. Thanks to Real Simple Magazine. Thanks to Real Simple Magazine. So please tell us about this. So I read in the November issue of Real Simple some good conversation starters for your Thanksgiving table. <laughs> I did not utilize these at my own Thanksgiving sure. because I didn't know how they would go over. Yeah. And instead decided I am going to implement these at my holiday party. Good. And so I did. And there were two main questions that I took away. Actually, they were provided to Real Simple Magazine by jo- Joanna Goddard, who I have followed on the internet okay. forever. Okay. She runs the blog Cup of Joe. Anyway, her suggestions and what she said she always discusses at her Thanksgiving dinner table is what are your irrational fears? Good. And who is your celebrity crush? Mm. So the irrational fears question is great. Yes. Um, it's something that I found on the internet shortly before my first date with Kelsey. Okay. So it is something that we discussed there, which I think is really funny. I think so too. That it cropped up again now <laughs> at, this, at this Christmas party. Um, because my irrational fear, which was shared by intern Julia, yes. who brought it up first, like and I was like, identical. same, same, the yeah. exact one, um, is mirrors in dark rooms, specifically bathrooms. <laughs> um, there is a very popular ghost legend associated with this. Also, the name of a disgusting cocktail of tomato juice and vodka. Um, I don't say that name ever. It's Voldemort to you. I, it is. I wouldn't um, order the cocktail even if it sounded appetizing to me, which it does not. Oh, it sounds so appetizing to me. And oh. I don't drink, but I love tomato juice. And you would just drink tomato juice? Yes. I, I just feel like that's what little old ladies drink, and I would love to be a little old lady. And to me, it feels like Sunday morning alcoholics drink that. <laughs> Like, that's a drink when you are hungover from Saturday night, and instead of going to church, you go to the bar and get one of those drinks. I'm dying to try one. I just don't like alcohol. So. Yeah. I mean, you can probably just drink a V8, and it's I'll the same thing. I'll just drink V8 with a celery stick sticking out of it. It's fine. Um, what was your irrational fear? Mine was snakes or frogs in the toilet. Yeah. Like, not... I mean, frog snakes are fine. If you've seen Ashley, she mm. reacts to frogs very differently than I yeah. do. Like, I don't love them or anything. I really don't like frogs. But I will, but I can get rid of them for mm-hmm. you. Ashley and like Olivia with bugs, they mm-hmm. like won't touch them. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is every time I sit down on a toilet, I check <laughs> to see if, to there's, see if there's something in it first. Specifically when you get up and I only in adulthood have yeah. started to have to do this where I have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. It does not always happen, but it occasionally happens. And when I do, I inevitably check the toilet first. Is this something that happens in your late 20s? Because yeah, I feel mean, like it's just happened to me in the past year. Having to go year. to the bathroom in yeah. the middle? Yeah. Waking up like two or three times in the middle of the night just to go to the bathroom. Well, that's several. I, <laughs> well, I am... It one, I was really. about to say, I am one or none. Okay. But, ne- but in my earlier 20s never at all yeah yeah this has just happened to me recently and i you know i'm irrationally afraid (laughs) i think it's i also suffer from sympathy urination Mm. where if i hear we only have one bathroom so if i hear jordan go i immediately am like i should go or i'm gonna wet the bed even though i haven't wet the bed since childhood yeah that makes sense it's fine it's another irrational
Welcome to episode 203 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I'm coming to you from two or three weeks ago because I can't do math. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. This is airing two days after Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. We're recording from December 11th. So we are still like... two weeks. Two weeks ago. (laughs) We're still in the throes of holiday prep. Yeah. By the time you hear this, you'll be like relaxed and... Sitting around a fire on on a bearskin rug with... (laughs) All of your presents and wrapping paper still scattered around you like a bear going into hibernation. Sounds delightful. Doesn't it? But for us, we're (laughs) not there yet. (laughs) No, no, we we are most assuredly not. I had a dissertation panic on my drive up here this morning because I was like, oh no, I've theorized all of this completely wrong and I need to rewrite everything I've written. Oh no. I'm still not sure that's untrue. Um, So I'm going to keep thinking about that after I go home today. Boy, and I am just pretending. Like I, <laughs> I woke up this morning, missed a merchant meeting, which Good. I never miss. Uh, called the kids uh, at the local preschool because I thought, surely you're not coming because it's so cold. And they were like, well, no, we didn't even have you on our schedule. But now that you mention it, we'll be happy to come. So then, story time. Okay. Left a bunch of stuff at home. Like okay. it was just one of those. Mondays, mm-hmm. even though today is not a Monday. It feels like it, though. And it was like, oh, no, it's only December 11th, and I'm losing it. Like, I'm slowly losing control. <laughs> it's fine. And so on that note, um, we want to talk about one thing we do have control over, which is telling you what we think are the best books that came out this year. Can we talk about the best of list as a yes, concept? Yes, we can. Because I saw that, and I actually think it was Ann Bogle or somebody said looking at all of these best of lists and I've decided they're not for me. Like many of the books I think she probably loved, at least what I garnered from this tweet Mm -hmm. was that many of these best of lists did not apply to her. Mm. And so I am here to say, I think that's good. Yes. That best of lists are for you to look at and you can decide. Right. Hmm. They're, they're not objective. Like, yeah. And I don't think anybody's claiming they are. No. Like you get to decide. I personally always look forward to the New York Times yeah. top 10. Like that's the one I look forward to. Everybody else, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I do like to look and see, uh-oh, where did I fall short? Do I need to read these books? And kind of, I do as a bookstore owner mm-hmm. and somebody who does some of this for a living, right. I do self-examine and for think, sure. oh, did I miss this title? Um, but when it boils down to it, your top 10 of the year is what 10 books you enjoyed the most yeah. or learned the most right. from. Like, so... Anyway, that's just me saying top 10 lists I find to be really fun. Yeah. But they don't have to be like the end all be all of Absolutely your not. And I, in prep for this episode, looked at five of the big ones. I looked at New York Times and NPR and mm, Publishers Weekly. Okay. I think I looked at Slate and maybe Paste Magazine because they're a little like more offbeat than those bigger yeah. mainstream ones. And I was just trying to compile a list of like what shows up a lot. Yeah. Like what are the maybe 10 books that show up? on all of these lists or on a majority of these lists. So I've got that list, we've got your list, Mm -hmm. and then I've got my supplement of five because I didn't read a whole lot this year. Yeah. I think it's always worth taking a look back at your year and seeing what books fit in your own personal top 10. And I mean, I guess I also want to comfort readers because this Mm -hmm. is the time of year too where I think a lot of readers, especially those sharing their 
books on the uh-huh. internet start to panic that like they haven't met their numeric right. goal or right. maybe you're like me and you were sitting in the car listening to this really great piece on NPR and realizing that many of the books they were naming you had not read. Like yeah. I was sitting or, in the car. Or heard of. Yeah. And I started to panic. Can we talk about this book Symmetry that showed up on a bunch of lists yeah. that I did not know about? No. <laughs> yeah. It, and so I immediately went kind of into a semi-panic and made a list of like six books I was going to try to read before the end of the year. No, you're not. And then this weekend I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. If I get to them in 2019, great. great. But you know, I've already read my top 10 of the year. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Like I tried desperately. I'm in the middle now of reading, um, I don't even know the whole title, Convenience Store. It made a couple of top 10s. Oh yeah. Uh And so I was like, that's short. I'll read that because what if it makes my top 10? Right. And then... I'm in the middle of reading it. I like it. And then it hit me. No, my top 10 is already decided because this time of year, I'm not reading. (laughs) My brain is not in the right space. No, (laughs) it's not. So I don't know. This is just me telling fellow book lovers, stop pressuring yourselves. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. You don't have to meet your numeric goal. Uh, congratulations. You read a lot this year. Yep. Um, you also don't always have to read what's on these top 10 lists. Yeah. But you can let them supplement your future reading. Yep. But don't feel pressured. There's never, a... <laughs> never feel pressured to read something. That's right. Like... Unless you're in a class <laughs> and there's an assigned reading list, in which case feel that pressure. It's there for a reason. But Says otherwise, outside of that context, yeah. <laughs> please don't feel pressure to read anything. It is what it is. Yep. We're all just doing our best. Yep. Um, so with that, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let me just run down quickly this list that I kind of compiled from these other top 10 lists. Okay. So you looked at the kind of the big ones. I looked at kind of the big ones and just like the ones that showed up a lot. And I know you've read a lot of these and several of these do show up on your list. So we don't have to discuss these. Okay. Um, these are just my, my very unscientific, like, here's what I noticed looking at these lists. Okay. Um, the great believers. Yes. That's one that... I felt pressured to yes. read before the end of the year. It's um, not going to happen. <laughs> educated. Mm-hmm. They're there. Mm-hmm. Cersei. Ah, uh, yes. The Incendiaries. Oh, good. A Place for Us. Yes. That Kind of Mother. <gasps> Yay! Florida. Okay. How to Write How to write an Autobiographical Novel. That's the Alexander Chi. Alexander Chi, and I really want to read I that one. I do, too. Um, and then this one, I don't remember if you finished it, but it's one that I want to read, and I was shocked how much it came up was um, Melmoth. It came up in top 10 lists. A lot of them. I'm going to give you my copy. I I couldn't finish it. Yeah. No, I remember talking about it and then I was like, that doesn't sound like Annie, but it really sounds like I me. I need to give it to you. Okay. That would be great because I want to read that. I'm in, I'm still in kind of creepy mode uh-huh. from October. Yeah. Um, because the Haunting of Hill House show on Netflix was just so incredibly good. Yeah. But now um, you're like riding that wave. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Months later, I'm like... I, okay. need, I need creepy gothic fiction is what I need. I and so I'm going to read the Shirley Jackson novel next week mm-hmm. over break, which means like week before Christmas because <laughs> we're in the past. Um, that's my one like grace thing that I'm letting myself read outside of my work. Good for you. Um, very excited. It's not very long, but I also want to read that one. I'm so curious about it. Okay. Melmoth. Way to go, Sarah Perry. I Way loved... to go, Sarah Perry. Back to back. Yeah. Big I books. Essex Serpent. Right. All right. All right. So... From there, then, let's jump into your top 10, which has some Venn diagram yeah. with that list. I have a question. Yeah. When you look at a top 10 list, are they in order? 
I don't want them to be. I want them to be like, here's a general top 10 and not ranking. I think mine is general, except I have a, I think you have I a probably, clear top. I have a clear top. I think and then I it's probably, high for two. I was about to say, I think I, cl- I think I probably even have a clear top five. Okay. But and then, then when a, I get to 10, a five way like, tie for six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know where you want me to start. Um, I'm going to start with a fun one. Start with a fun one. Here's the thing. This is the book. I, it's not going to be on anybody's, anybody else's top 10 list this year, but I had so much dang fun reading this book that it is in my top 10 and I, I am proud of that Stand fact. Stand by it. It's called Hey Ladies. You heard me talk about it on this podcast. Uh-huh. Um, months ago. Months ago. It is new this year, out in paperback. Just if you are a millennial slash aging millennial, and I think I even had some customers a little bit older than I am read it as well, and I think they enjoyed it. It pokes fun at kind of mm-hmm. white lady millennial culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, for enjoyment factor alone, I thought this has to be on my list. Mm. I just had so much fun reading it. And it's immediately the book that I gifted Mm. to so many women in my life. Um, I know it's not like high literary fiction. It's not a powerful gripping memoir. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's just comedy gold. Like (laughs) I just thought it was so well done and hilarious. And you read the book and you find yourself like identifying with one or two of the characters. And it's all written like in group emails, right? Group email, group text. So it's not necessarily prose. It's all like correspondence. Yeah. And I normally can take or leave that format. Uh But in this case... A modern epistolary novel. Yeah. I just (laughs) thought it was so fun. And I can't get over... Like when I looked back at the books I read this year, I thought this one will stick with me because how I felt when I was reading it was just utter delight. That's great. It's so fun. That's really fun. Um, I'll interject here and talk about one that I felt the same way about, um, but David Sedaris's Calypso. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot that that came out this year. I know. That's how I felt about a lot of these um, books. Because that came out late spring, early summer, and I listened to it on audiobook. So good. Mm-hmm. I think maybe his best collection, mm-hmm. at least the most cohesive. It's very much centered around a theme, yeah. this theme of your family getting old, mm-hmm. that it's not just him growing up, it's his whole family growing up and reconfiguring and what that means when you've lost a sibling and lost a parent and have to figure out, okay, who are we now? Yeah. What it's the, told with that, that characteristic Sedaris wit and humor and it was just so funny, but also deeply moving mm-hmm. in several cases. Yeah. that's. I think Calypso is one that I heard about on that NPR special and it's I didn't finish it. Like I didn't yeah. read it this year. And so it's one I wrote down as mm-hmm. to try to finish before the end of the year. I mean, and, and listen to I it. I was about to say, I think what we'll do is listen to it on our way maybe yeah. to Birmingham this Christmas. Absolutely. But um, it made a couple of top 10 lists and I think rightfully so. I really loved it. Um, okay. If we're going to go the memoir route, then the other one that you already mentioned, but I think deserves talking about is Absolutely. Educated by Tara Westover. This book was everywhere this year. It was everywhere this year. However, somebody, and I cannot remember who, it might have even been a podcast listener, came into the bookshelf um, recently and had not heard of it. Mm. And so I think 
it's that weird time warp that happens at right. the end of a year where like honestly educated came out february march yeah, early so it's been a while so i think initially it got all this buzz and uh-huh. all this praise and now we're seeing it on top 10 lists again so now i think people, people are remembering yeah remembering it but it was interesting to me that this customer i started talking to her about it and she was like but wait, no, I've never heard of it. And mm. I was like, oh, well, let cool. me tell you all Great. about it. Um, if you loved The Glass Castle, I think this is certainly up your alley. And don't let this book, I think if you are like me, and maybe Chris, you're a little bit like this too, and you think, too much hype, I'm not reading that. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand, I understand that desire and that motivation. But guys, this really is worth reading. Like, it really is good. Um, And it's compelling because it's true. Mm. And it's compelling because I think what she kind of has had to risk and what she has lost, perhaps, in writing this Mm -hmm. book. Like, I don't think she's made any friends in her family, like, of of her family by writing this book. Um, It just gives you a totally different perspective on the world. I think other people have compared it. It gets the Glass Castle comparison, but I think it also gets the Hillbilly Elegy comparison. Yeah. I personally found it to be more compelling than Hillbilly Elegy, um, but I understand the similarities. I I just found this book to be really great. And if you prefer audiobooks, this is a fantastic audiobook. It's Good actually how I read it this Good year. Good to know. Um, what about another one? Um, another book that I totally forgot was published this year, and I think, to be fair, I may have read it end of 2017, mm. but it is in my top 10 of 2018 because of publication date, is Fire Sermon by right. Jamie Quattro. And I know this book isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be for you. Um, people have been listening to us long enough to know I have boundaries, too, that I said about right. what I read and what I listen to. Um, but I really thought Fire Sermon was an honest, authentic look at faith and marriage it reminded me a little bit of fates and furies mm-hmm. um the way the way she talked so openly and it's fiction um and it de- definitely deals with infidelity so mm-hmm. just be aware of that um but the way she talked about faith in this book really hit a nerve for me and i i think i told you i interviewed jamie quattro at the beginning of this right. year and then I ended the year with the interview with Knox. Mm-hmm. And so to me, even though those books are totally different. different from each other, I actually think Fire Sermon and The Wondering Years kind of belong on a shelf together. Interesting. Just because of the questions they're asking. Book flights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I am thrilled. I just totally forgot Fire Sermon came out this year. Yeah. Like that is bonkers. You had the me. ARC so early. You had it like unbound, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Like a really early yeah. print. Like and proof. so I feel like I read it forever ago. Right. But I firmly believe it is worthy of top 10 status, even in some of those more major lists, yeah, I think. Yeah, it got really snubbed. It did. For sure. It did. Yeah. And I can't figure out why that is. I don't know. We talked about it on our awards yeah. episode. But anyway. Anyway. Um, one that I also feel was snubbed. Let's go back to January again. But The Afterlives. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it until I die. <laughs> and then afterward. And then Afterlives. Um, the Afterlives is a phenomenal novel that's hard to describe. Um, but it's about this young man who has a heart attack and then has like a, a net installed around his heart that is monitored by a satellite. And this is real technology. And so after this, he becomes kind of obsessed with death and what happens to us afterward to the point that he is like drawn toward these like supernatural researchers who are perhaps trying to like delve into this like unknown. And yet 
It is a totally realistic, just literary fiction novel about a man and his wife and his relationship with his father. And then in the last 75 pages goes kind of off the rails bonkers <laughs> in a way that made me like I love it even more. <laughs> All this weird stuff is happening in the background. There are these interstitial chapters that are like uh, a history of something else that happened in this house 150 years ago. Um, formally really interesting and I just loved, loved, loved these characters and I cannot talk about this book enough. We just sold it to a mom who was buying books for her adult daughter. I think that'll be good. And she was like, my daughter likes to read weird but thoughtful and thought-provoking and we were like, we got it. Like, (laughs) thanks to Chris, we know exactly what to read. That is exactly what this is. Weird but thoughtful and thought-provoking. Good. With a very ambiguous ending that I like have thoughts and feelings about and would love to talk about with somebody who's read this book. Oh, good. So if you if you're listening, please send email him an me. email. Um, I put on my list, but I will admit it like barely made the cut. So okay. I was trying to make a decision between two books, and this is the book that ultimately quote unquote won. Um, is the Female Persuasion ah. by Meg Wolitzer. The reason I barely included it is because at the time I read it I think I gave it four or five stars Uh I loved it but it is a book that did not particularly stick with me Mm. long so when I went back through like my Instagram to see what were my five star novels this year or Uh five star books this year um, I forgot about female persuasion I stand by it as a good work of literature. I think it's a it's a tad too long. Mm-hmm. It's a tad it's just a smidge too long. I think it could have used a bit more editing. But I also think it's a novel of the time. Mm. So it addresses particularly white feminism mm-hmm. um, in a way I found very relatable mm-hmm. and really kind of spoke to a couple of different generations of feminism that I also found interesting. Um, I liked this book. I believe it deserves a spot in my top 10, but I also want to put the caveat in there that I think when you read this book matters. Yeah. Um, because I think when I read it, it was what I needed. Uh-huh. I'm going to pair it with Unsheltered by Barbara uh-huh. Kingsolver, which is a firm and solid spot in my top 10. I think if we're, again, kind of talking book flights, book pairings, those two would pair really well together. Again, Unsheltered had mostly white characters. Mm-hmm. There was a really compelling um, person of color character that I really think was there and needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... Barbara Kingsolver also wrote a novel of the time. Mm. So when we look back at 2018, I think Female Persuasion and I think Unsheltered are going to reflect the culture, like the Me Too movement, Mm -hmm. the political kind of world that we're living in. I just think when I look back on 2018, those are two novels that I might hand my children and be like, this is what right. was going on. Like, right. and this and is what we were thinking. I about. think we're going to get this more was the of those. Yeah. Oh, we will. I think we're going to get a lot more of those. But those are two female-centric uh, novels that come to mind. Um, there's another one on my top ten. They're there. Yeah. That I think also really encompasses the zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, it, you mentioned they're there already. It's yeah. made. It's made a ton of those top ten. There, there's in my top five. Yeah. List absolutely. This one is on every list. And again, and, and deservedly so. I was about to say again. Don't let the overhype, and I'm using air quotes, for educated or they are there deter you right. from picking them up. Like. You and I both read there. There, it's um, an amazing. Work it's of incredible. Um, 
And it's one of those books that you read and it almost gets better with age. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's one that sits with you yes. and that you're going to continue to think about yes. long after you've finished it. Yeah. Um, parts of it will come back to you and haunt you. Yes. Um, but also there are great little moments of levity and mm-hmm. like I very dark humor typically, but moments that stick out for sure. We did a love it or loathe it on uh-huh. this. And I remember I had really liked there, there. Like, I think I was mm-hmm. going to vote for it as love, you mm-hmm. know, rather than loathe, but it was really after getting to discuss it. After you talk about it. Yeah. I think this book is enriched by a discussion. Absolutely. Whether you have that over lunch with somebody or in a formal book club, I think there, there is one we're going to be talking about for mm-hmm. a while. Um, yes, Absolutely. How about the next one? Okay, next, I'm going to do two. I put two short novels on the list, and I think this reflects kind of where I have been mentally Mm -hmm. the last quarter of the year. So, Waiting for Eden. Oh, yeah. Which practically is a novella, Mm -hmm. guys. It's little. It's little. And if you are like, you know, trying, I know it's whatever day, what day is this supposed to be? December 27th. Okay. (laughs) You've got three or four days um, of reading time to hit your numeric book goals. But if you're one of those people trying to hit like 50 books or 100 books. And you're at 48. Yeah. You should pick up Waiting for Eden. Powerful literature, probably unlike much, because it's outside my genre. So Uh I'm going to assume other listeners are in that same boat. So it's probably outside your typical genre. It is so powerful and thoughtful. It reminds me of Phil Clay's um, redeployment, uh-huh. but for some reason, I don't know. It's really kind of experimental. I actually think you would like it too. It's it's outside your genre just because it's male writer mm-hmm. uh, doing lots of interesting things with the military. So it's outside, I think, both of our comfort yeah. zones. But one way I think it is in your genre is because it does something a little... Like it has like a twist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Meaning you are sensing things. This man is basically trapped in his body Mm. after being um, injured Mm. um, overseas. And so there are just weird kind of elements, but, but he never loses you. Like the author, Elliot Ackerman never loses you. So um, waiting for Eden is for sure in my top 10, probably my top five of Mm -hmm. the year. Um, The other one I thoroughly enjoyed and just think it's can't be fun um, although the title makes it sound like it wouldn't be fun, is My Sister the Serial Killer. Oh, yeah. This book is so good. <laughs> and I think it's one of those that it got buzz, but for a short period of time. Right. And I think this is what happens when books get published toward the end of the year. Yeah. They get lost in these top 10 lists. Um, and I think that's so unfortunate because I think the writing here is really clever and is a new twist mm-hmm. on like the quote-unquote true crime or... Um, suspense mm-hmm. fiction that we have come to love yeah. post Gone Girl. I think this one showed up in NPR's okay, good. list. And it wasn't a top 10 list. It was just a top books of yeah. the year list. Um, and it definitely showed up in a few top 10 of November. Yes. And so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, one that I really liked that was also just kind of quick and fun was The Oracle Year by Charles Soule that I read sometime in the summer, early, late spring yeah. maybe. Um, it is a thriller with a sci-fi twist mm-hmm. where somebody knows the future for some reason and how are they using that to exploit everybody else and how do we stop them? Okay. Um, really interesting concept. Charles Soule is a comic book writer and practicing attorney. Um, what a combo. What, what a combo. <laughs> he writes Daredevil. Um, he just finished his run on Daredevil. Um, but really interesting dude. This was his first novel. He's working on a second one. Um, it is getting a lot of 
press in sci-fi world, I think. Okay. But that's not switching over to the mainstream press a whole lot. Okay. Um, but this book was very good, um, very well-paced and just readable. What is that book that everybody read a couple years ago and it reminded me of a Harrison Ford movie, like a mm. 90s Harrison Ford movie? Oh, I'm blanking. And it, I feel like we sold so much of it because it was a great book for men and women. Mm. Oh, and he... But it it played like even I liked it, but it played into kind of sci-fi. Oh no, I'm sure someone is yelling into their cell phone right now. And I have no idea. Oh my gosh, it was this book. It was written by a man. It was outside genre for me. Uh huh. God, I can't remember it. It's gonna drive me bonkers. Like I think. Oh, dark matter. Oh, dark matter. Oh, yeah. Is it like, like dark crouch. matter? Is yeah. what I'm trying to it's say. It's a lot like dark matter. Okay. Yeah. No, if you like Dark Matter, oh, I think you will really like the Oracle Year. So proud of my brain. Really good. It got there. Good work. <laughs> good job, brain. <laughs> um, and then you, uh, did you have one more? I, I have think? one more because this is this my was favorite your book one. of the year. Yeah, just hands down a place for us. I. Oh, I think you have two more. Do I have two more? Yeah, oh. you didn't talk about that yellow one. Oh. Okay, wait. Okay, so spoilers. <laughs> the Ensemble is fantastic. This is the book I read this is the first book I read in 2018. Mm -hmm. and, and you I said, said immediately. I said, this will be in my top 10. And I have since, and probably some people are listening, I love you all, but several um, kind of bookstagram friends have since then read it and, and kind of commented, and even some of my real life friends have read it and said, yeah, it was good. Here's the thing. It's character driven, not mm. plot driven. Right. I have discovered over the years, I am a character driven Person. person. Yeah. Like, I just am. Um, now, that's not to say I don't love a good thriller or another really good, well-written, literary, um, plot-driven novel. Right. But... They're, I, they're different things. They are different things. And so I think many of the readers who wound up feeling like, sure, this is good, and they recognize it was well-written, well but mm -hmm. they didn't love it, I think that's because they prefer plot-driven books. Right. Aja Gable has done something really amazing. I know Kate loved this book, and I really wanted Kate's stamp of approval on it because, because it is about, about yeah, a musical ensemble. And so when I had her stamp of approval, I thought, okay, good. Okay, good. It's not just because <laughs> I read it. Again, it's one of those things you read in a vacuum. It wasn't out yet. Nobody was talking about it. So right. I was like, well, I love it, but what if nobody else loves it? But no, other people love it. Um, and Kate put her stamp of approval on it in the sense that it is accurate to what life is like for an ensemble musician. It is fantastic. So it is in my top five, probably my second favorite book of the year. And then your number one. My number one is A Place for Us. I will. I don't think I will ever forget this book and how I felt while reading it. I have compared it to Gilead um, by right. Marilyn Robinson, except it is obviously um, it is obviously different in the yeah. sense that it is about a Muslim American, um, Indian American family who have immigrated to America and the kind of conflict that arises between the older generation, the mm -hmm. parents, and then their children. Um, I love this book, first of all, because dysfunctional family drama uh -huh. um, in all the right ways. Like, no caricatures here. This is really a deep look at, I mean, even the three siblings. Mm -hmm. To me, I was talking to somebody the other day. I think she's. I think she listens to the podcast. Anyway, she was talking to me about. Gosh, there's one character who you just feel drawn to. Like mm -hmm. if you're an eldest child, I think you feel drawn to one of the characters, and vice versa. Um, and then, man, you think it's good, and then you get to the last kind of, I think, chapter or section, and you, I was just blown away. Mm -hmm. Like I was on board the whole time. Um, yes, I love it for the dysfunctional family drama. I also love it for its look at faith. Um, 
and also for its look at an immigrant family. Yeah. I just it and I cannot get over that she was like 27 and a debut novelist. I just can't. So I know this one is making the rounds, um, but I think some people, you know, they roll their eyes because it's Sarah Jessica Parker's imprint. Oh, Maybe okay. it's overhyped. Right, guys, it's not overhyped. It's really, it's really good. good now. Again, character-driven right. rather than plot-driven. So just go in knowing that. Um, and since it's after Christmas, this is what I got for my mom for Christmas. So <gasps> oh, I can't wait. I hope she enjoys it. I hope she loves it. <laughs> I'll report back. I will. Um, so that wraps it up. Yeah, that those is are our, our top uh, ten. Those are our top books of the year. Um, I did have one more, which is The Western Wind. Oh, yeah. Um, which is my December shelf subscription. Um, I have not actually finished this. Okay. Um, but I have enjoyed the parts of it that I've read. For fans of The Name of the Rose, Medieval Murder, Mystery Told in Reverse. Okay. So if you like Catholic books, murder books, um, medieval historical time period books, got a trifecta for you. <laughs> it's all these things. Um, and it is a really, really, really good um, That's rare that you story. put out a December. You know what I mean? Like yeah. December is such a tough. And again, it's one that came out in March of last year. Yeah. Overseas. In the UK. And... <laughs> just now got printed here thanks so, america thanks america um we will have this obviously on social media so comment with your favorite books of say, the year i'd love to hear other people's favorites especially out uh, outside of the yeah like new york Be- times because range. we did mostly novels here yeah um a couple nonfiction books but like this was almost all novels and that's not what everybody reads right and so please let us know um especially on instagram like What were your favorite books this year? Yeah, report back, because I'd really be curious to see what made other people's lists. Absolutely. We're at the bottom of the barrel again. Started out strong, but now we're coming up thin. Oh, we have cast our lots with all the devils of sin. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like our unpopular opinions, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content, a full back catalog of our show, with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a very funny thing happened. So many funny things are happening right now because we're busy and so we're seeing all types of people. But there is this older gentleman, mm-hmm. like I'm talking, we think 75 okay. or older, um, who comes in the bookstore and because it has been it has been cold recently, he comes in like bundled up and I promise he looks like a Hallmark movie's definition of a homeless person who uh-huh. actually becomes an angel at the right. end. Do uh-huh. you know? <laughs> I, I know exactly what you <laughs> okay, mean. Okay, well, that's exactly what he looks like. And now, like, every time he comes in, he knows all of our names. And he talked to Ashley on the phone because he was trying to figure out why this book he really was looking forward to 
like the publication has been delayed indefinitely. Oh. And so he was on the phone with Ashley asking her how if she could provide him with some information but first he said what's well, what's your name and she said Ashley well, what's your last name and she said Sherlock and he was like perfect you're just the person to solve this mystery like <laughs> he was, it's like he was waiting it's like he knew yeah. and was waiting to make that joke yeah. which she's definitely never heard before in her right. life right it's kind of adorable it's really adorable just love that he had faith in her because of her name yeah well, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next year.